You guys get some sleep? How many of you are like, you knew that you should have gone to bed an hour earlier, but you're like, I'm just, I'm just going my regular time. How many of that's just you? And so, okay, we need some coffee here today. It's going to be good. Uh, well, listen, every time that we have the time change, there's a handful of people that do not set their, use their phone for their alarm and they forget their alarm. So when they come in about, oh, just to, you know, we should, they should be showing up in about a half hour. Just make room. Don't judge them. Just pat them. They know and you know. It's great, man, you know. But, you know, as, we, as you turn your Bibles to Judges chapter 6, uh, they're just, it's, it's a good day. And, and I always know that when I show up in the, in the first two services, when, when people aren't putting things off to the later services, you guys are hardcore. So we're going to jump in. We're going to have some fun. But, I mean, hasn't it been great just to see what God's doing here at Grace? Just over the last little bit, our time of spiritual renewal, I have enjoyed these services, but I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm fired up to preach. It's been a while and I'm ready to go. I am ready to go. So I hope you packed a lunch, um, but we're, we're going to have some fun here today. Now, if you are new to Grace Bible Church, first of all, it is so good to have you here. And I hope that you'll have the uh, opportunity to stop by our next steps wall. And we've got, we've got a gift for you. We'll, you know, we'll bribe you to show up, but, but may you show up uh, if, if you'll Stop by. You can sign up for our, our Meet the Pastors dinner. If you've got questions, uh, man, let us know. I would love to talk to you more about the cool things that God is doing here at Grace. In fact, just yesterday we had our, our men's conference, Iron Sharpens Iron Conference, and what a great day that was. And I, I just love seeing what God is up to. And I have a feeling that as we jump in today that, um, that God is going to be speaking to 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 individuals, and I, I say that carefully. I don't want to just say that flippantly or whatever. Um, this this message is for a, a person who God's been messing with you, and and not, not like in a not like in a bad way, in a in a good way. Maybe he's he's calling you. He's stirring your heart to take a next step. And and for whatever reason, over the last little bit, I'm just trying to describe who this might be for. Uh, you you've given God every excuse. Actually, you've not just offered excuses, you've actually brought up some really good reasons why you're not the person. And I just have a feeling that, that at the end of this message, you're going to walk away grasping this. God can and will save anyone. God can and will call anyone God can and will use anyone. And, and, and so I'm already asking, if, if leading up to the service, there's just been this wrestling that's going on. Man, I, I'm just, you just got to know I've been praying for you as we go into this day. I believe God wants to stir our hearts over the next little bit. As we look at the, the account of it, really it's a, an account that goes from Judges 6 to Judges chapter 8. It's a guy by the name of Gideon. And um, when you look at Gideon, he's just an unusual guy and maybe the last person you would think that, that God would use. And so, you know, when you look at Judges chapter six, it's, it's a familiar theme. The more, you know, we're just, uh, the more we're in this book, we see the same thing happening time and time again. In Judges six, uh, verse one, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Sounds familiar. We've already, like every message has started off that way. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And then there's a, res the, then there's a result of this. The Lord, this time, gave them into the hand of Midian, 
for seven years. Now, real quick, just to give you a little back historical context, the Midianites were some pretty rough and tough people. Um, they were a hard scrabble lot that came from uh, what is now Saudi, uh, Saudi Arabia, the country to the east. Um, they, were, they, they lived in the desert. They, they didn't establish, uh, like they didn't build homes or anything. They were, they were just some hard people. Now, interesting fact, they're one of the, the first uh, that we know of to domesticate camels, which is kind of funny. And, uh, you know, have you ever noticed how weird camels look? Like, it's, it's almost like they were designed by a committee. You know, like, everybody has a say in this. Like, uh, no, I think it needs to look like this. And you end up with a camel. But, like, we, at, our Christmas, at our Christmas deal, we had, we had camels this past year. Huge hit. Everybody wanted to get their picture with a camel. In fact, uh, we have a picture here. Jen, who's our director of finance here, it couldn't have been more perfect. Just as her husband was taking the picture, she got a big old kiss, man. It was great. <laughs> now, on the other hand, I was inside getting some, uh, some coffee that night, and this little girl came in, and she was offended. She came right up to me and tapped, and, and she's like, Pastor Keith? I'm like, yes. She goes, you need to do something about those camels. I'm like, okay. She said, I got my picture with it, and it ate my hair. And I don't, like, I don't, like, I don't know what happened, but okay, they're just weird. They're mean. They spit. You, know, you never know what you're going to get. So, so the Midianites not only domesticated camels, they actually used them as war machines. They would actually get on camels and use them in, in battle. It's kind of, kind of a weird thing. I mean, you know, you're in hand-to-hand combat, and all of a sudden, there comes a guy on a camel. You're like, what? You get stabbed. It's like, it didn't go well, so... <laughs> So the Midianites, though, it's not, it's not just that they were hard lot, calloused, and, and all that. In fact, history reveals they, they had mastered the art of plundering. And, and many times what they would do is they would find a weaker group of people, weaker tribes or whatever, and, and uh, they, they would, they would you know, scope out where they, they were developing crops and that sort of thing. They would come in at harvest season, and literally, it's kind of like the IRS. They'd take everything. You know what I'm saying? They just leave nothing there. They would, in fact, if you look in verse 5, it refers to them as, it compares them to locusts, locusts that just would, would, would take care of everything. Well, what we read in verse 6 is this. Israel was brought very low because of Midian and the people cried out for help to the Lord. This, was, this is a common cycle that we see through Judges. Lord, help us, deliver us. And so God answers their prayer, but not in the way they expect. If we, if we go on to, to verse 11, what we see is that, that God's answer to the prayer started with an angel coming to a, to a guy by the name of Gideon. And, and it says here in verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and said under the terebinth that at Oprah, I always want to say Oprah there, it's not Oprah, which belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite, while, and I just made that, I have no idea if that's the right pronunciation, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Now, like, I, I don't know if it's been a while since you threshed wheat or not, but, um, like, that's a terrible place to thresh weed. And so the whole threshing process is, is you have, you know, the, the, the grain, and, and you're wanting the head of grain, but not the, the chaff, the, the stalk. And so you shake this, and, and you want to do it in an open area, so if there's any wind, it'll take it away. Like, the worst place to do it would be a wine press, which would uh, normally, in ancient times, there'd be like a pit of some sort, but he's doing it there because he's afraid. He's, he's hiding from... The Midianites. And, and, and so what, what we're going to see as we go through this, this account, and I, I don't mean to be 
know, whatever, because probably if we put, find ourselves in that situation, we're no different than Gideon. But, but let's just acknowledge, I mean, he's no Chuck Norris, right? Uh, that's not who he is. And, and that's why this next verse, verse 12, would, would almost be hilarious. Because the angel appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you. Look at this. Oh, mighty man of valor. Like the guy's hiding in a pit. Gideon knows that's not true. And yet, there's, there's the first of five points I want you to write down this morning is, is this. There are five things I think we can, we can learn this morning. The first thing I want you to write down is this. God sees in you what you don't see. You know what I'm thankful for, guys? I, I, I'm thankful that, that God addresses us and calls us something before we're ever actually anywhere close to living up to that. I mean, I can, I can go through scripture and, and find account after account where, where God does this. When God calls us, he doesn't see us, or at the very least, he, he doesn't define us by the condition we're in, but, but he calls us on the basis of what he's determined to make us. And, and here's what I've learned, guys. Man, as I look over my life, when God has called me in different seasons, and, and I know that what I'm sharing here is my, as my testimony, as a testament that's shared, I've heard many of your stories. God doesn't call us when we're at our best. And in fact, I would say this. God, a lot of times, that's even right. God calls us when we're, we're in our mess. And I, I think that, that we, we many times push back if God would come to you and, and call you by name and he would call you a mighty man of valor, there's a lot of people in this room like, not me. Not me, you, you, you got the wrong address. It's kind of like when they, uh, we went to, to Red Robin the other day and, and they showed up and they gave us uh, something we didn't order. We're like, no, that's not us. I'll eat it, but that's not us. <laughs> I think we're the same way. When, when, when God comes and he calls you, like, well, that's, you're thinking of that person or that that, but, but, but can I tell you that God does not call us when we feel like we have our act all together. In fact, I don't know that I've ever heard a testimony. I've ever heard a story of someone who God called that they were like, yeah, that's me. That's good. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Let's do this. That's just not how he works. God sees in us what we don't see. And there are a lot of times that, that we push back because we're like, I'm not a mighty man of valor. But, but listen, what we're seeing here, and I, I, we're gonna keep reading here. God came to a man cowering in a hole and said, man of valor, stand up. And, and what does Gideon do? Gideon actually changes the subject because that's what we do. Like if God calls us to something, we change the subject. Like, well, God, I will pray more. God, I will read my Bible. No, he, he didn't come to talk about that. And, and so what, what Gideon does is he asks some questions. He says to him in verse 13, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonderful deeds that our, fa our fathers recounted to us saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and, and given us into the hand of Midian. And really what, we're, what he's saying here, there are two parts of this question. The first part of this question is, is this, God, if you are with us, why are things so bad? And, and, and the first thing, man, I want us to catch is that his perspe Gideon's perspective is skewed, it's off. Because how, how did verse one start? It was the people who had abandoned God. God didn't abandon the people. 
It was, the, it was the, the, the people of Israel who had walked away. God didn't go anywhere. And I think there's a lot of times we're asking the wrong question. And there are times that we're not hearing the answer because we have the wrong perspective when we're not addressing the real problem. And so the first question is, man, if you're with us, why are things so bad? But I think the second question is just as misguided in essence. He's saying, God, why don't you do great things for us like you did for our grandparents? Well, first, the man, first thing I did was like, uh, Gideon, there's an angel talking to you. Like, literally, there's something going on here. But, but, but then I, w- I, w- I would say, there's, there's more to this. I want, there's, there's more to this. And if you see what, what God does in his response, he doesn't even acknowledge his wrong, his wrong questions. In verse 14, God instead turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? And he was indirectly answering the questions. He was not directly answering the questions. And see, the second thing I want you to write down is is this. We might miss it, but God is still working today like he did yesterday. He is. God's still working today like he did yesterday. And, and, And real quick, if you're over the age of 60 and you were raised in the church, I'm gonna talk to you just for a second. And, and I, I, I can actually, I'm not 60 yet, but I can throw myself in this category. If you've, been around the, if you've been around the church for a while, you have seen God do some pretty incredible things. You have testimonies to share. And by the way, there are people that need to hear your stories. People need to hear of what you have seen. People need to hear of what, you, what you've experienced. Share your, share your story. But listen to me. It's very easy for us to experience a move of God and for us in our minds because it was an undeniable move of God for almost like time stands still. And what I mean by that is that forever becomes this experience that we look back on and if it doesn't look like it looked like back then, then it's not a move of God. Don't fall into that trap. God is still moving today like he did yesterday. It just might not look like it looked like yesterday. Man, just this, this week, our, our family went to go see that, that movie, Jesus Revolution. Anybody seen that movie, Jesus Revolution? Listen, I rarely get up and, and promote movies or anything. You need to go see the movie. Seriously. First of all, it, anytime, the thing I, I'm so thankful that they did in the movie is, I'm not going to spoil it or anything like that, but anytime there's a move of God, there's times it's messy. And they, did, they didn't try to cover that up. And, and man, as, as even we've been seeing outpourings of God even in recent days, man, every time there's a legitimate move of God, there's a manufactured move of God. I would even say that anytime there's a genuine move of God, Satan's gonna, he's gonna try to stir things up as well. But, but man, what I, what I, what I love, what, man, in fact, our, we, we walked away and, man, our, our kids, we were talking about this together. I think all of us were probably crying at some point. It was, it was deeply impactful as, 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 we, as you see God move in a place and in a way that nobody saw coming. In fact, there were a lot of people that, moved, that missed the move of God because it didn't fit and line up with their box. Don't miss a move of God, because you're, you're, you're tying a move of God to a method, to a style, to, to whether you like hymns or worship choruses or, 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 or it, you, you got to wear a suit and tie or you got to do this. Or, don't 
Listen, a move of God has nothing to do with a method. It has nothing to do with one person. It has nothing to do with a location in and of itself. Can I tell you that God is going to move where God is going to move, and he's going to do it through people. Listen, Chuck Smith, Lonnie Frisbee, and, and more that you see in the movie, they're just ordinary guys. God just happened, God just happened to, to, to use them. And I don't want us to miss something here today, church. We, and it, this might be hard for, for us to grasp, but we are the activity of God in this generation. And there are a lot of times where we're looking around and doing what Gideon, Gideon did. And, well, man, why, why aren't you doing these great things like we saw you do back then? Why aren't you doing what, what you did with my parents' generation or, or this generation or whatever? Don't miss what he's doing here and don't miss it. He might be calling you to do this. You know, there's this interesting passage of scripture that kind of seems random. It's in, it's in this little, this little uh, book of Amos. Amos was, they call him one of the minor prophets, not because they weren't important, but because their, their prophecies were so short. But in Amos chapter five, apparently, if you, if you read the context, a, the Israelites are sitting around just talking about the good old days and how God had moved. And Amos comes to them with a message from the Lord. And, and, and here's what he says. He says, thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, seek me and live. But do not seek Bethel and do not enter into Gilgal or cross over to Beersheba for Gilgal shall surely go into exile and Bethel shall come to nothing. And you're like, well, that's just kind of a random thing. What are you talking about here? All three of those places, Bethel, Gilgal, and Beersheba have, have spiritual significance when it comes to the Israelites. Uh, Bethel was the place where Jacob had this encounter with God. Man, he saw angels coming up and down. It's, it's the first place we see this, this, the first place he builds an altar to God. It was a place where they would go to worship early on before Jerusalem. Bethel was a place of great significance because God had showed up there. Gilgal, that's where the children of Israel, after 40 years in the desert, crossed the Jordan to go over into the promised land to take the land. It was the Gilgal that the Jordan was parted and they walked over to the promised land. Spiritual significance, God showed up, mighty way. That's amazing. Beersheba, that was a place where God showed up and, and in essence, he made this covenant uh, and he opened, up, he opened up ways for, for there to be a covenant made between Abraham and, 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 and Abimelech that became instrumental into his possession of what was going to be Israel, what was gonna be the promised land. Again, it was a place where God undeniably showed up and yet what does God say? Man, forget going back to Bethel. Forget Gilgal. Forget Beersheba. He says, don't seek a place. Seek me and live. Seek me and live. And can I tell you what we're seeing is anytime there's a move of God, it's when people seek God. Anybody know? It, it, man, it got national news what happened a few weeks ago in Asbury. Incredible what God was doing. Incredible outpouring. Oh, yeah, there's a bunch of skeptics. Well, we'll see if it's revival. We'll see. I'm like, dude, if you were on the day of Pentecost in Acts, you'd be like, oh, we'll see. We'll see if we go be real. Like, shut up. I have no time. Seriously, I have no time for that. I want to be careful. But th this whole thing of, well, time will tell. Well, you'll be dead in your grave. Who, like, just come on. That was frustration. I need to apologize. No, anyway. Uh, <laughs> but no, it, it was crazy. Well, what started this move? God, I don't know if you guys know the story behind this. A guy who's, who, uh, who's a staff member there at the school got up and he, he, he preached from Romans 12, one through two. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holding acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship. 
He said, and then it goes on to say, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is the perfect will of God. He got done preaching. He said amen and walked off the platform. Immediately texted his wife and said, I just preached another stinker of a message. Because there was no response. There was nothing. He's just like, I just fumbled around. And if you go listen, you, you can find the message on YouTube. Like in and of itself, it's just an ordinary guy delivering an ordinary message. But what took place was a powerful thing. Five or six students stayed, not because they knew revival was going to break out. It was because man, the word penetrated their heart. And they said, God, would you work in our lives? God, there's something that's wrong here. And they repented and God began to move. And, and this, what we see this outpouring that, that broke out, it was a powerful thing. And I think a lot of times, man, we're looking for this massive big thing where many times God is coming to the unexpected places and he's showing up even when we're not looking for him. In fact, we think we are the least in the kingdom of God. There is no way that he would come to us and yet it's to us that whom God comes. And so when he says, I want you to get up and I want you to go because you're gonna save Israel, what's Gideon's response? Listen, his response, Response is response of each of us when, when we resist and push back when God's stirring us. Here's what he says in verse 15. Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. God, don't you see where I am? I'm small. We're small. I am in a pit because I'm a coward for crying out loud. You have come to the wrong guy. And at are times, guys, we make our excuses. And I don't know who I'm talking to. Here, here's all I know is after the, the first message, I, I stayed up here almost till the, the next service started talking to people that said, that's me. And I have a feeling there are people like that. You're here. God's stirring you, but you're giving all your excuses. In fact, I'm gonna pause for about three seconds. I'm gonna count to one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000. And I want you in that time to just think, what excuse are you giving God or would you give to God if he called you? Just, to, just can we, we can't, we can't battle it until we identify it. Okay, so here we go. I gave you five seconds. Some of you needed extra, I could tell. You are just really <laughs> struggling there. Now here's, here's what God said to him when he's like, man, why are you picking me? God said, and this is a secret, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. The third thing I want you to write down is this. For every person, you have an excuse. I'm unqualified or because of what I've done, I'm disqualified. God, you can't use me. You won't use me. Please call somebody else. Here's the answer to your insecurity. God's answer to your insecurity is that phrase, I will be with you. I'll be with you. Can I tell you, that is his one-line answer to all of our doubt, to all of our insecurity. I will be with you. Some of you guys need to write that on a sticky note and you need to put it on the mirror in your bathroom. It's the first thing you see when you wake up in the morning. Some of you need to put it on the steering wheel of your car when you get in and you're driving to work. 
you need to be reminded, I will be with you, says God. This is a phrase that shows up time and time again in scripture. I will be with you. And then he tells Gideon, you're worried about this? You're gonna strike the Midianites as one man. In essence, what he's saying, you're gonna take on this massive group of, of, of plunders like you're just one scrawny little guy. And we're gonna see next week, that's pretty much what he does. It's amazing what we're gonna get into next week as we see how God used him. But for now, man, when we think about this, in fact, let me just ask, how many of you are facing a situation for which you don't have the answers right now? Just raise your hand, poll, we're doing a poll, all right, okay? How many of you would say that there is, there is something within your family that's unresolved, if you're sitting by them, don't raise your hand, but if there's something within your family that's unresolved, raise your hand. All right, you're praying. We gotta have God move. How many of you would say that either myself or someone close to me is facing a physical situation and I can't help them? Except I, all I can do is pray. Okay, here's the thing. I just, I, I pulled those out. It could be a job. It can be any, any one thing. How does it change your perspective? If what God said to Gideon, he is saying to those whom he's calling now today, you fear, you doubt, Here's the answer to your fear and your doubt. I will be with you. Guys, some of you got help yesterday in the conference. But now when it comes to applying what you learned, you're scared. How will that change if God says, I will be with you? I'm with you at work. I'm with you at home. I'm with you in your situation. That's God's answer to us. We're struggling. You can't use me. And he's like, I will be with you. All these self-help gurus say, you know, just, just banish the negative thoughts. Get rid of the negative. Get rid of the negative. Get rid of the negative. How's that working for you? <laughs> like, like, I will tell you, last night, I go to sleep knowing that I'm getting up the equivalent of four something in the morning instead of five. But, you know, like, and so I go to, I go to sleep an hour earlier. You want know to do for that first hour? I gotta sleep, I gotta sleep, I gotta sleep, I gotta sleep. <laughs> the more I thought about going to sleep, the less I slept, come on now. Now this is not how the peace of God works. No, the peace of God comes, comes a different way. It's not closing your eyes to the things that make you afraid, but opening your eyes to the presence of God. He is here. Man, I'll give you some, man, you, you wanna do some research, just, just this week, go home. Google it, go to openbible.org or, so, or .info or something like that, but you can Google it. How many times in scripture, how many verses that you'll find in scripture where God says, I am with you or I will be with you? It shows, it's almost, it might be, it might be the most quoted, uh, the most quoted phrase that we have of God. I will be with you, I will be with you. It's all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament. Some of you need to be reminded. When he calls you, it's not like, you know, what I did with Trey the first time, you know, he, he'd never gone swimming before and we're out at a lake and, and man, we got out there and I just, Kicked him in the water. Like, I just, go. I mean, that's the only way you're going to learn to swim. He did have a life jacket on. But anyway, you know, that's not how God does it. God jumps in the water with you. You're never swimming alone. He is with you. Oh, man. I, we can spend more time. It's interesting. If you look at verses 22 through 24, I'm not going to read that. But, but even this freaks Gideon out. In fact, there's, there's a whole, whole thing there, but, but he's a nervous wreck. God finally calms him down. But God was just getting started. Verse 25, it says, that night, God came back to him. 
The Lord said to him, pull down the altar of Baal that your father has, cut down the Asherah that is beside it. By the way, like Baal was a Canaanite god, god of thunder, lightning, rain. Uh, they, they worshiped him because they wanted to grow crops. And then they had Asherah, the, the goddess of fertility. They would have these, think of the Washington Monument. Uh, it was like this massive, uh, ma- massive pole that they would raise up that was you know, a place where they would sacrifice or you know, acknowledge the, the goddess Asherah. He said, I want you to go tear these things down. In verse 26, I want you to build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold here. And it says that, uh, you know, if you keep looking, God gave him instructions. So Gideon, verse 27, takes uh, 10 men of his servants and he did as the Lord told him. I love how judges, he just throws in these details, but because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. Okay, so nobody's confusing Gideon with William Wallace from Braveheart. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like, freedom. That's not, that's not what Gideon's doing here. But God doesn't criticize Gideon for this. Don't miss this. Because obedience is more important to God than bravado. There's a lot of people talk a good game. When it comes right down to it, they just, they just don't do it. You can say what you want about Gideon. He obeyed. And, 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 and I think that there are times that we think that, that courage means that there's an absence of fear. I don't think that's the case. I think courage is when we do what God is calling us to do, even in the presence of fear. And, and so, so, so he does this. Everybody gets up the, the next morning. They're like, hey, what happened to our God? Somebody's like, Gideon did this. Let's kill Gideon. Well, then his dad, Joash, stands up and, and, and said to all who stood against him, if Baal really is a god, let him contend for himself, which I think is the greatest line of all. That is just awesome. If he's God, let him contend for himself. And, and from that day forward, Gideon had a new name, Jeroboam. What does that mean? It simply means let Baal defend himself because Gideon broke down his altar, which means I don't know what Gideon looked like, but I get the feeling if he says he's least in his father's household, I just get a picture of this scrawny little dude, you know, probably skipped out on the gym on upper body day and maybe on leg day too. And like, like he's just, he's, he's just this, this, this little dude. And, and yet every time people saw him because of his name, anytime they saw his name, it was like, this is the guy that couldn't stand up. Uh, Baal could not stand up to this guy. It's like Judges has this humor and sarcasm thrown all through it. This is what we're saying here. This is what it's saying here. But I don't want you to miss this, this powerful point. When God called Gideon, it, man, before he ever commanded an army, don't miss that Gideon's first assignment started at home. And what I can tell you this is this, God's calling will begin with some house cleaning. Because what, what I know is that because God comes to us in, in times in which we're not prepared, in which we're not ready, in which when we have all these excuses or we're in moments of weakness or, or, or maybe he even calls us even in our weakest. We've, we've come through a, a period of sin and you're like, I'm so broken. How can God use me? How could God save me? How or why would God call me? He shows up. But when he calls, he doesn't just call us to the great. He practically will prepare us by dealing with stuff at home. I don't, you know, usually God won't use us to defeat the enemy on the outside until in his grace, 
He's made us address the and acknowledge the enemy on the inside. And I think that there are some of you that, actually, the only reason I'm saying this is because of conversations that I had earlier today. That the reason you're giving all the, God all these excuses why not to take those next steps is because of what you've done, because of where you've been. Now, I, now, now listen. God has always been about using the weak and the imperfect. Always. You show me a person outside of Jesus in the Bible whom God used that didn't have little baggage in their past. I, I, I can't think of hardly, hardly anyone. He's always used imperfect people. Now, don't miss this. What he'll do, though, is he will actually change the imperfect people, though. Now, he's... You're not going to get to the state of perfection before you can be used. But what he's going to do is he's going to make you address the things that are in the way. And guys, right now, some of you know that God has called you to something. But the reason why you haven't stepped into that sphere of ministry is because you're making excuses for why you don't want to address the stuff that's closer to home. Some of you, it's not just saying yes to the battle that's going to be out there. It's you saying yes to what God wants to do in your life now. God is going to use you, but can I tell you that God also is going to change you? You see, God's call often begins with some house cleaning. He's going to make you address your idols. Now listen, when, when, when we think of idols, we're thinking of, you know, you have a little Buddha sitting on a shelf. You probably don't have a little Buddha sitting on a shelf at home. Uh, maybe you do. Like I had a guy, well, I said that one time, a guy walked out. It's like, hey, I'm, I'm here with my, my girlfriend. I actually do. I am a Buddhist. I'm like, okay, fair. But it's probably not it for you. Like you probably don't have Asherah poles in your backyard or anything like that. But, but we have idols. And, and, and it's interesting because Gideon's, Gideon's family, it wasn't that they were worshiping these gods instead of the one true God. It's just that they were worshiping these idols in addition to God. They're putting the trust in something else. And, and I, I think that what, what God, really the reason we push back on the call of God when he's stirring us, it has everything to do with our trust in him. It really does. Our saying yes has everything to do with us trusting him. I, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this. I told somebody this, this week, I said, I, it's, it's crazy. There, there are very few days that I don't feel like I'm just out of my comfort zone. I feel like I'm always out of my comfort zone. And I'm going to tell you, that helps a prayer life. I'm going to tell you right now, that'll help a prayer life. Because, it, listen, it's, it's, it's this, getting this point of surrender and saying, it's, it's not about me. But here's what he's going to do. He's going to ask you to get rid of some of your idols. Some of the things that you're leaning on in addition to God. I don't know what those are for you. Sometimes they're family. You, and, and what I mean by that, family is an incredible blessing from God. But can you trust God with your spouse? Can you trust God with your siblings? Can you trust God with your kids? It, it might be other blessings that God's given us that we just lean on to, we hold on to. You know, you know how you can identify an idol? One of two things. You can identify an idol by, first of all, 
if you're willing to compromise what is right to continue to hold on to this thing. If you're, if you're, if you're, if you're willing to, to compromise, to hold on to something, disobedience is a sign you might have an idol that has to be addressed. Or, or, or maybe it's just anxiety. I'm not saying that all anxiety comes from, from disobedience or anything like that, but, but I will tell you disobedience and anxiety are tied together. And there are a lot of times when we are resisting God and we're pushing back and we know that we're pushing back and, and, and we're not willing to, to, to submit, there, there's going to be this, this anxiety. And I, I think what it does, it, it, it gives us the opportunity to stand back and say, okay, God, I want Jesus plus nothing. I want Jesus plus nothing. Let me, let me keep moving. But I think there's something that is, that is powerful you know, getting is the place. He, he's heard God, but he does, he, he's still struggling with saying yes to God. So when God has called him, he's like, is this really you? Is this really you? So there's this whole thing that, that he does. And I, for sake of time, I'm not going to get into that uh, totally this morning. Maybe we can hit that a little mo- bit more next week. But he puts out a fleece. It's an animal, animal skin. And like, if, if you've been around the church for a while, like, it's part of that religious lingo that we throw out, oh, I'm putting out a fleece, putting out a fleece. Well, if, listen, you don't have to put out a fleece. In fact, the reason Gideon put out a fleece was not because God told him to. God had told him what to do. The fleece had everything to do with his own doubts. So, like, don't get caught up, oh, I've got I've to test God no, like, if you know it's God, just say yes to God. Like, you don't have to put out a fleece. But that being said, he, 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 put, he put this out, you know, like, okay, God, if this is really you, if, if it's really me, uh, tomorrow morning, let the, let the fleece be wet and the ground around it be dry. Next morning, woke up, fleece was wet. He rings it out like, okay, one more test, God, one more test. Tomorrow, let the fleece be dry and the ground be soaked and... There it was. God didn't beat him up for that. But his his whole thing was, he already knew what God had called him to do. His His whole struggle came back to, am I going to say yes? He was still looking for that out. And listen, some of you this morning might be looking for that out. It could be, I I would, let me just go back. I think, I'm just thinking through the many, 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 many conversations I've had about the will of God with people, or the call of God with people where God's been stirring people. You know what? I, I'm sure there's gonna be something that hits me later, but right now in the moment, the two things that I think I hear of the most that, that cause us to struggle is, is one, I'm disqualified. And, and, and I hear a lot of people when we talk, they talk about their sins, what they did in their past, the shame, all, all of those were things. So they, they talk about, I'm disqualified. And, and then as I'm talking, the, the second one that's right there with it is I'm unqualified. I can't, I don't have skills. I don't have gifts. I'm shy. I'm whatever. I, we, we, we have all these, these reasons. And, and, and a lot of times it's because those two things, because what, what we think are disqualifications or, or you know, what we think are unqualifications, those are the things that keep us back. Listen. I'm gonna leave you with this and, and we'll go. The cross is our confidence, not a fleece. Because, church, what I want you to know is we live under a new covenant. 
And the new covenant has everything to do. There was a cross. And Jesus hung on the cross. And when Jesus took our place on the cross, literally, he died. When it says he died for the sins of the world, I want you to take out the, the, the word world and put in your name. He died for the sins of Keith. He died for the sins of, you just put, put, put your name in there. And so first of all, what you've got to know is the cross took care of your disqualification. Amen. The second thing that took place is Jesus said, it's good for, it's good for, he told his disciples, it's good for you that I go because if I go, then the Father's going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit who works within us is the one who has the power to do what we can't do. And so what Jesus did on, on, on the cross took care of our disqualification. And because of, 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 of what took place and, and Jesus dying and then he ascended, we're given the Holy Spirit, that takes care of our unqualification. Literally, that becomes our confidence, not all of these tests we gotta put God to. And I wonder if maybe you're here today and you've been using the age thing, the capability thing, the past sins thing, or whatever, to say, I'm not ready. The answer you need to know is the only thing that has to do with you being ready is what, what God's calling you to today. You don't need to have the courage or whatever you call courage. You don't need to have all the giftings or whatever you think it is. All you need are two things. Number one, the understanding that you are a child of God, you've been forgiven of your sins. And number two, that what he calls you to isn't about you anyway, and the Holy Spirit is in you and given to you, and he's gonna use you. That's what you need. I'm gonna land this plane. Jesus' last words in Matthew chapter 28, what was it he said? He said, I am with you always to the ends of the age. And he said that before he said, go therefore. That word therefore means because of this, go. Go make disciples. Go baptize. Do, do all that sort of thing. Really what I love is the great commission began, began with a great announcement. I am with you always. And what we do is we go, not because we got our act all together, but because we're called, because God sent us. So here's what I want us to do. I want, I want to close our service a, a, a different way. Three things. I started with this. I'm going to finish with this. God can and will save anyone. God can and will call anyone. And I, listen, if, if you're here today and you are not saved, today is the day of salvation. I will stand up here. I know Will, Pastor Will, we got different people. I, I, we will stand up here. If the other service starts, we're still praying, we will pray. We're, we're going to, man, if, if that's you, let's just, today's a day of salvation. But God can and will call anyone. And I have a feeling that there are people that, man, for whatever reason, you, you've been plagued by the doubts, God's been stirring you, and you, you've been doing this. Today, I just want you to raise the white flag and I want you to surrender. And if that's, that's you, man, just come forward. If you want to pray, you just pray. If you've got questions, I'll, we'll hang out here today. Like, we might not have all the answers, but respond. If God's called you, God's going to use you because God can and will save anyone. God, call, God can and will 
call anyone, but God can and will use anyone. Father, for what you're doing, I say thank you. God, there are times that we put you in a box and we think it has to be a certain type of person. We have to be a certain place. It has to be a certain circumstance for you to move, for you to call, for you to use us. But God, that's not the case whatsoever. And I'm praying that today that you would stir your people. I know that you're doing this. I know that there's a reason why uh, I'm sharing what I'm sharing today. I'm praying that in your Holy, that your Holy Spirit would move, that you would convict, that you would call, and God, that you would encourage, and that today, instead of offering excuses, people would simply say yes. So for what you're gonna do, Father, we say thank you, and I can't wait to see the fruit that's gonna come because your people have said yes. Would your spirit move? Would your spirit change us? Would your spirit be part of doing a work within our homes, our church, our city? We can't wait to see what we get to see. And we thank you for the, for the privilege of being part of your move in this generation. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.